Welcome to season two of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com, where you'll find out I'm one of the foremost experts on brick and mortar retailing. Every week, I invite guests, vendors, and brick and mortar retailers to share their successes and their innovations to make the shopping experience fun. I believe we can change the world by those who are working in shopping and retail, so let's get to our first guest. Today I'm interviewing Apu Gupta, CEO of Curalate, who unpacks the breadth of social commerce activities you need to engage in, the core need of understanding what is the problem that your social post is solving for your consumer, and the dangers of looking at shopping through the lens of last-click attribution. Let's go. Welcome Apu Gupta, CEO of Curalate. It's a social media company that turns any image or video into a storefront. I understand you've got more than, geez, a thousand customers from like Nordstrom and Crate and Barrel all the way to Stitch Fix. So um, tell me about it. What do you do and who are you and what do you have to do with retail? Well, thanks so much, Bob. Um, you know, what we're doing at Curalit is basically helping brands use social media to sell more effectively online. Our approach uh, to that is to view social media not just as a channel to uh, you know, build awareness and, and drive engagement, but also as a source of content. Uh, fu- fundamentally, what we're doing is helping brands solve e-commerce's inspiration problem. We, we think that as people start shifting their spend from offline to online, one of the fundamental reasons why we shop is often overlooked. You know, we don't just shop for the things we know we want. One of the great joys of shopping is stumbling across something that you never knew you needed in your life um, before. Absolutely. And and online, it's actually really hard to do that, um, to, to stumble across something. If you think about, um, you know, a physical store, you can wander the aisles. But if you've ever tried to wander the aisles of Amazon, it's not exactly the most pleasurable experience. And so how do we create those moments of discovery in commerce environments, well, we think we can do that with social media and social media content. So how does it work? If yeah. I'm Nordstrom and I have this picture that I want to put up on Instagram, is it start there? Or do you say to Nordstrom, we think that uh, beige um, trousers with a black cuff are trending on Instagram and you should jump in with something? How does it work? Yeah. So, you know, at at the core, what we're trying to do is make it dead simple to turn any image or video into a storefront. Now, the way that that ultimately works is those storefronts can live on social or they can live on your site. So if you think about one of the things brands are doing today is they're posting content to Instagram, for example, and you can tap on a picture and you can see the products that are in it. So one of the things that we do is we make that really easy for brands. We make it easier for them to post that sort of content to Instagram and to measure the results from that they're getting from you know channels like Instagram. We actually work on any social channel, uh, but you know often Instagram's not enough. You know if you think about most brands and retailers, well they get a lot of traffic from sources other than social. They get traffic organically. They get traffic from search and and a bunch of other things, and so. You've got this much larger audience of people that you want to inspire, and you can inspire them with content. And and virtually every brand and retailer is foundationally in the business of investing in content. They are creating content for social. They are creating content via influencers. They're creating content by asking consumers to create it. 
all of that content can be harvested and used to inspire e-com visitors, regardless of where they come from. And so what we do is we make it really easy to get that content. We make it really easy to tag that content with the picture, the products that are in those pictures. And then we make it really easy to publish that content onto your commerce site, into your email, into your apps, or even into ads. And does that work with like Pinterest as well, or is it pretty much just Instagram and Facebook? No, we published to Pinterest as well. In fact, when we started, um, we got our start with um, with Pinterest, and you know, Pinterest has been doing a wonderful job of enabling brands and retailers to do more and more with uh, you know images on the on the platform. They rolled out their Shop the Look product, um, uh, you know, about a year ago or so, um, and so uh, you know we want to inspire people um, on that platform as well. It, it, Pinterest, in many ways, is largely used. Um, early in the in the um, you know sort of product discovery process, and so it right. makes a lot of sense for brands to participate there. At Shop Talk, they talked about uh, the surprising uh, thing about Pinterest is more guys are showing up on Pinterest than they ever thought were uh, there. So I had honestly, as a social uh, uh, platform, I hadn't really thought that much about Pinterest. You know, I kind of did it when I was redoing a house right. and used it to hold ideas. But, you know, going back to your point, how hard it is for um, when I go into a store, for example, and I'm, I'm going to buy, I don't know, I'm going to buy a baby stroller. Okay, fine. So then I might see a hunter green jacket. I was like, oh, I could get that too. But if I was looking for baby strollers online and suddenly this hunter green jacket showed up, you'd be like, what the hell is right. that? Well, right. I mean, that's the problem. And voice is going to be a problem, too, because it's lateral thinking. And what you're selling, the whole point of social, I think, certainly with pictures, is that discovery and that visual understanding that takes you a little different rabbit uh, path, right? Yeah. Look, I think that e-commerce um, e is rooted in a paper catalog mentality. It lends itself to search. Um, it lends itself to intent. But shopping's not just about search, it's also about serendipity. Stumbling across something that you never knew existed, something you never knew you wanted in your life, is a very essential component to the shopping experience. And it turns out that great content can foster that sort of inspiration. And so figuring out how to activate that content is core to what we do. The challenge with that content is virtually all of that content is created for channels that sit divorced from commerce. So it, so that content is completely unstructured. It has no metadata right. that identifies what products are in those, uh, you know, in those images. And, and therefore it, it's effectively useless in programmatic environments. Um, and so what we're, what we're doing is basically enriching that content so it can be used at scale. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key. And then ultimately, uh, there's so many uh, micro brands that have harvested uh, the whole look and feel of Instagram, like Shopo and some That's other right. ones that have their digital natives that really understand their customers so much better. And they know exactly who she is. They are trying to be everything to everybody. Right. So I think when you have that focus, I think it's probably hard. It's probably easier to use a program like yours to actually juice sales than just put up pretty pictures because ultimately, it really isn't about likes. I mean, anyone that's worth their salt. Um, it's, are we making money on this? And am I going to get a promotion? Or am I going to be able to make my numbers? I mean, that's ultimately what has to happen, I think. One would think. One would think. Now, <laughs> in practice, what you see is there is still this interesting divide amongst 
marketers and, and particularly social media marketers, we work with a lot of social media marketers and we work with a lot of e-com teams. And, and one of the things that we continue to see is there, there is a, a camp of social media folks who um, really view themselves more as brand marketers, and there's a camp that view themselves more as performance marketers, and and um, and it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting debate. Um, and I, 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 you know, obviously we come out on the side of you should be able to attribute hard dollar, um, right. you know, benefits to all of this, you know, all of these investments you're making. But other people view it purely as. Um, an awareness building activity. Um, you know, I think that's harder to justify. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I went to a big product launch and um, and I was there talking about the product and all these things. And there's a guy eating a cupcake in, in the store and, and they're taking all these pictures and I'm like, what the hell is it? Oh, this guy has a great following. Anyone that sees him is going to see us. I was like, yeah, but they're not seeing you. They're seeing him eating a <laughs> cupcake. I'm, I'm like... Really? That's brand building? I mean, I just sat there like, did I miss something in basic marketing? Like, um, the brand is secondary? And they're like, yes, that's the new way of marketing. And I just thought like, well, I don't think so. I think that's always been the case. People aim the, aim the shotgun at the sky and say, well, as long as something comes down somewhere, I'm happy. I don't have to know. But I think, haven't we evolved? I mean, isn't everything evolving to performance? I mean, when you know, when you've got like an IBM Watson running so many websites and they're looking at eyeballs and click rates and all of that, all of that data, you know, that people are obsessing on. Why is it social media gets a pass? That's what I'm. Yeah, I'm not it's an, you know, listen, it's an interesting it's an interesting question. And and look, I and I don't mean to sound diplomatic. Like I, I definitely I definitely err on the side of performance. But. I'm a marketer by trade. Um, I, you know, prior to this, I built what became the second largest pharmacy chain in India. Uh, I was a physical retail, you know, person myself, and I was a CMO of that. I understand that building brands has value, and you build brands in ways that are harder, that you know, become hard to measure. And I think if you strictly take a performance lens on everything, one of the challenges that you end up having with something like that is it, it, it can very easily become extremely uh, short term and focused. So you, you, you can, you can like mm. focus ex extremely, you know, at an extreme on last click attribution, for example. The problem with, with, with looking at shopping through the lens of something like last click attribution is it ignores how customers form opinions about products to begin exactly. with. Exactly. And right. so I think you've got to sort of keep in mind that, um, and, and it's actually one of the things we, we educate brands and retailers on all the time. They, they'll activate, you know, for example, Instagram shopping post and they'll say, Hey, I made my, my picture shoppable on Instagram. Why is, you know, why is nobody buying? Or I, you know, did the same thing on Pinterest. Why didn't people buy? Well, because they just saw your product for the very, very first time. And most products are considered purchases. You take some time to um, become familiar with it and determine if it's right for you. And, and that, that's a journey. Um, and as much as technology has changed and, and we can make, we can compress the, um, time from consideration to transaction, you still, you still have to contend with the fact that people are people at the end of the day, and, and they take some time to make decisions. And so, you know, I, there is a balance there. I understand that brands engage with influencers. One of the things we try to help brands figure out, though, is that a lot, of, a lot more of these influencer activities can be measured now. Um, and, and so if you're, if you're saying that, well, we don't measure influencers because we can't measure influencers, well, that's 
wrong. If you are doing mm. it in a deliberate way where you're saying, we're not going to measure these influencers because this is purely a brand um, building endeavor. And, and we have decided that that's how we're going to look at the, look, the lens we're going to look at this through. Well, okay, fine. Maybe you can, you can um, take a more holistic view. But, but I think where brands start saying, we don't measure because we can't measure, um, that's, uh, that's where we tend to push back. So it sounds like there's kind of a learning curve that you have to do with marketers when they come to this, right? Because you're also dealing with different age groups. I'm a, I'm a boomer, so I probably am more performance-driven than I would imagine millennials may be. But that might just be, a, you know, mansplaining something. I don't know. It's, <laughs> you know. It could be totally off base. But there's got to be a learning curve, I would think, um, with your product. Is, is that true? Uh, or does everybody understand everything right from the no, get-go? There's, there's definitely a learning curve. You know, I think social commerce as a, as a concept is a relatively new concept. I think for a lot of brands, when they think about social commerce, they think strictly about making Instagram shoppable. And then they wonder why it um, isn't generating, you know, why it's not been transformative um, to their revenues. What we often have to educate brands about is, Def, more at a more definitional level, what is social commerce? When when we look at um, uh, the the brands who adopt social commerce in a more holistic way, what you find is that Instagram might contribute three to five percent of their total social commerce revenues. Um, and so, the first thing we have to help brands understand is the breadth of social commerce activities you need to engage in. Number one, and number two what is the problem that this is solving for your consumer? I mean, those two things in tandem are really important for us um, to, to help brands understand. But once they understand it, um, they really get it. And that's, that's what we tend yeah. to see is, is uh, and, and uh, frankly, what I've been actually really impressed with is, you know, as, as amazing as all these D2C brands have been, some of the, the, the legacy retailers have been very, very um, good about leaning into discovery. Uh, they have entire discovery yeah. teams that, and they've come to the realization that, you know, one of the things that made our physical stores great was the ability to walk, wander around them and, and add things to cart. Um, and we've got to figure that out online because we've got the customer base, but we, we, don't want to we don't want to risk them buying less from us. Yeah. What do you think if you were to list them kind of, quickly um what do you think the top three pitfalls would be obviously not for your customers but for just general uh, retailers on social what do you think the top three pitfalls might be number one pitfall is um divorcing social from commerce um we we continue to see this problem today they they, they operate in silos um it doesn't work um two okay. is uh thinking that um that Making uh, money from social means selling on social media itself. That doesn't work because of the customer journey. Um, and then the third thing would be measurement. Um, not, uh, not actually measuring um, uh, the, you know, the performance of all, of all of these investments. And actually, I'll add a fourth, and this is really specific. Um, a lot of brands are randomly putting their Instagram content on their website and then clicking off when you click on that content it takes you back to instagram these brands are working so hard to get wow. these brands are working so hard to get traffic to their website only to send it to a to a to a to a site Third that doesn't party. need more traffic yeah. right 
Oh, that's great. That's that's really helpful. Well, you know, I, I talk to people who have worked in retail and somewhere back in your history, long ago, before you were the guy, before you built the 650 physical pharmacy chain, you worked in retail. You did something to do with retail, didn't you? I did. Well, yeah. So I, I, um, I, you know, I grew up in the Silicon Valley. I've been around tech for a long time, but I took this random detour where I moved to India and um, uh, built what became the second largest pharmacy chain in the country. Um, and uh, that's quite a detour, it, by the way. It was anyway, a bit of a detour. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a it was a bit of a random path, a random walk. Um, but. But it was a lot of fun. We put up 650 stores in three years, and um, they, they were small stores, 400 square feet or so. Um, but, you know, we carried this massive assortment of, of medicines, and we were largely trying to um, build a brand and bring uh, consistency and quality of, of medicines to, to uh, a country that needed it, frankly. Well, as COO, there's got to have been a lot of headaches with that. I mean, um, I don't care if you have 400 <laughs> square feet or 4,000, like 650 data points of human beings to wrestle and try to get a unified culture going, right? Um, did that come about quickly for you, or was it a lot of hit and miss, or did you launch pretty much uh, assured of what it had to do and not do? Oh, we made we with made my- numerous mistakes along the way, and I learned a, I learned a tremendous amount. I think... Chief amongst them, though, I gained, a, I gained a really deep appreciation for the plight of, you know, marketers, retailers, brands. It, it's a look, you know, it's, it's a tough business, right? You know, and 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 um, and and I feel for I feel for them, and and uh, you know, having experienced it, and you know, now back on the technology side of things, um, I understand the. I understand a lot of these challenges that that folks face, yeah. and and you know it's a hard business because particularly if you operate physical stores, you've got um, you've got employees, and uh, and and you know one of the the most challenging things about retailers is often you need a large number of of employees for your physical stores, and they're often not paid all that well, and yet they're right. the folks interacting with your consumers, your customers on it on a you know day in day out basis. That's hard. It, it sets up some re- really challenging dynamics that physical store retailers have to deal with. Well, I would think kind of like the way you saw the difference between people who use social. I think people who think that um, their employees are uh, a cost center and um, the people who think it's the greatest asset, I think that's really where I that's see right. the difference. That if you feel that they are a, a, an asset, you're probably going to give them tools and you're going to give them training. And if you don't, you're going to assume that you can hire someone who will magically just do a great job and you don't have to pay them that much because you've already said they're temporary and they aren't going to be here. But the problem is you're often settling for people who really aren't vested in your brand, really aren't vested in any kind of performance or anything. They're kind of fogging a mirror when you say, you know, are you alive? And they're like, yeah, fine. Versus <laughs> these other ones that, you know, I've talked to a lot of retailers on this podcast and um, the unifying things of the people who are excited about retail and who are enjoying it are the ones who realize that, holy gosh, the work for us is we've got to make our customers, our employees day, or they'll never make our customers that's day. Right. And I think ultimately that's the challenge that whether it's online or in line, uh, online or in store, um, either you respect that fact or it's a churn and burn. And I think even Walmart's realizing, you know, those days are gone. They open 200 training centers. They're doing all kinds of things to develop the people aspect. At the same time, we're seeing an awful lot of people are saying, oh, we'll just put iPads in everywhere and everyone will just self-checkout, which 
I get it's uh it could it could work. The problem with that, of course, is that you pretty much give up what makes your store special, and then of course someone's gonna catch you online, right? Someone's gonna find someone else who probably does better because people are developing that feeling online. That's what you're saying is that these guys have come up with social men and women who've come up with social and made a dynamic ad. Can you give me an example of somebody that like out of the park? Uh, you don't have to tell me the brand, but um, what kind of a post worked or why it worked or anything? Um, you know, look, we first of all, we don't look we tend not to look at this on like an individual post basis because um, okay. it's it's ultimately it's it's largely about the content. Um, I think we tend to. to try to educate people about is, um, you know, there aren't silver bullets in this, right? You don't want to actually think about this on it. Damn it. I know, right? Can I just post one thing and make a million dollars? Well, you can if you're an influencer, evidently, but if you're a brand, it doesn't work that way. Right, um, right. So, right. no, you know, it's, it's, it's less about thinking about, uh, think about thinking about the world that way. It's, it's more about we have tons of brands and, and, and I see some really innovative stuff happening with, with some of the, the really big retailers out there where they're using content in, in really effective ways online um, and driving large amounts of traffic to that content. And they're seeing these massive increases in time on site. They're seeing these massive increases in conversion rates and order values. And it's, it speaks to what happens in store. Those are the three things that happen in store. Now they're happening online. And that's exactly what we want to see. Those are great metrics. Um, can you repeat that? Yeah, again? We, what, we what tend to look are? at things like time on site, conversion rates, and order values as a proxy for if discovery is happening. That's great. I really appreciate that. And I don't want to even generously your time today. Um, you're, uh, you're a firebrand, so I appreciate that. You've got a lot, of, a lot of ideas about it, and I think that's great. What would you tell a friend if they said they were looking to open their own little brick-and-mortar store uh, up there in, uh, in Silicon Valley? What would you tell somebody? Take them to Starbucks, and you're like, all right, let's talk about this. <laughs> what would you tell somebody? You know, I, I would tell somebody that curation still matters. I think that... Um, Today, so many people are fighting over transactions, and yeah. you know if you're if you're an online retailer or whatever it is, and you're and you're thinking you're going to win on transactions, it's a pretty tough game to play, and you, you effectively are leading yourself down a commoditization path. But there are so many products and stories uh, around those products to be told, and I think what you continue to see work really well is curated product sets people who have an opinion on you know have a point of view on a particular segment and take the time to curate a set of products that are that are great for people that fit a lifestyle that and 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 that are right for a particular niche i think that level of focus and curation is very hard to replicate online and and leads to a significant amount of differentiation and i think it's what you're starting to see more and more people you know, in, engage in. It's a great point. I kind of think, um, you know, we're kind of going back to this uh, age of the pilgrims in some way where everybody knows their little community and they just take care of that little community, right? So I'm going to be a craft beer guy. Okay, well, I just have to be the craft beer guy for, I don't know, Lubbock, Texas or, you know, Paris, Texas or something. I don't have to end up trying to be the next world brand. I think that people are much more trying to figure out, you know, how do I develop this really niche brand, this ethos, this style 
and particularly on social, and then deliver on it exceptionally well, but keep it narrow so that people know, okay, that's my brand. Instead of here's a million products and you can buy anything, which I think to your point leads us back to that transitional idea instead of relationship. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also think that, you know, frankly, most people are not going to be able to build the 500 million product infinite aisle retailer again. Right. So why even why even start down that path? Excellent. Excellent. Well, I always end my podcast with tell me something good about retail since that's the name of it. So. Apu, what could you tell me? Something good about retail? Uh, frankly, I think I, I just love all the innovation happening, particularly amongst the legacy retailers. I think you know this mm. this industry um, has been has been battered for so long, and people love to tell the story of how retail is dying, but it's not. It's it's uh, it, it's actually more innovative than ever, probably born of necessity. But it's it's um, I, I actually think that the innovation is inspiring right now. I would agree with you. It's It's got this sense of new. And I think the thing I, even though we might work in a little different worlds, I'm a brick and mortar guy. That's what I do, sales training and motivation for brick and mortar retailers. But this whole idea of the store matters, that the brand story matters, is moving center stage, like you said, getting away from this transaction. Oh, it's two for one. It's you know, 20% off. It's really trying to figure out how do we more value to our, our people who've given us money. And ultimately, that's what you're doing there with uh, with your program. Right? We are indeed. So, Apu Gupta, tell me, how can we find out more about Curlate? Just go to Curlate.com. That was pretty easy, is that <laughs> it? it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we would love to talk to anybody who wants to learn more about social commerce. Uh, you can find a wealth of information on our blog at, uh, you know, at Curlate.com. Um, but uh, you can also reach out to me. I love talking to people who want to who want to learn more about this stuff and i'm simply apu at curalate.com excellent and i'll also post your link uh, to linkedin as well you've been gracious for your time today and thanks so much for joining us so great talking to you bob thanks so much bye. thank you bye that brings us to the close of another episode of tell me something good about retail i'm bob vibs your host known as the Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer.